We know you're fascinated by true crime. But how often do you get to hear from the survivors in their own words? I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. We're the host of Strictly Stalking, the true crime podcast that explores the devastating crime of stalking. Every week, our guests reveal the true terror they're facing at the hands of a stalker. And the steps they take to fight back. We're uncovering the real stories you think you've heard, from Tara Newell surviving Dirty John to others you won't hear anywhere else. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, Strictly Stalking, from Cast Media, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Voiceless Speak Forever podcast. I'm your host, Hepburn, and today we will be continuing on with Christine Corson's Scam Rescue, Little Miracle Rabbit Rescue. If you have not yet listened to part one, please make sure you do so because part two probably would not make much sense otherwise. The witness learned how poorly Chris managed the rescue when Chris returned to New Jersey in 2010 to start up the New Jersey chapter of Little Miracles again. But instead of going back to war he used to do it, Chris changed things up a little bit by starting up the rescue in Akko, New Jersey. It was in August of 2010 when the witness became heavily involved with Little Miracles. When asked why she became involved despite the horrendous conditions she saw, she replied that it was because of the horrible conditions that she decided to help. She didn't believe that many shelters were set up to care for bunnies, and since she didn't know of other rescues that were devoted to rabbits, she decided to help Chris. And even though she never liked Chris's personality, she persisted because helping the buns outweighed everything. As a volunteer, she was fully dedicated to helping the rabbits because she fulfilled so many roles at Little Miracles. She was a board member, a volunteer coordinator, and an admin assistant. She worked there 20 to 30 hours a week, and it wasn't until she found full-time work that she stepped down from being a board member and reduced her volunteering hours to 10 hours. When I asked what exactly caused her to leave Little Miracles, if there was a straw that finally broke the camel's back, she stated that there wasn't. There were many reasons why she left. And here are the reasons. As an LMRR board member, I came to realize that the board of directors was a sham. Aside from me, every other member of the board was a personal friend or a family member of Christie's. Board members were not concerned participants or stewards of LMRR. Board meetings were frequently canceled with no notice often because nobody else would show up or because Christy was running hours late, even when arranged via conference call. Even when we had three members present, either at an in-person meeting or on a conference call, the discussions were a joke. Aside from Christy and I, the others rarely visited the rescue and had no idea what went on there. They had no clue how many animals we had on hand, how many different species, 
how much time the core volunteers spent on animal care, how frequently Christy would bring in more animals without warning, which the volunteers were left caring for, etc. Alerting other members to the issues the rescue faced and attempting to make collaborative decisions yielded no results. There was no true stewardship from the absent board. As you just heard, Chris and the other board members weren't meaningfully involved in the maintenance and continuance of Little Miracles. Instead, Chris was too reliant on one person for success. This raises questions of Chris's motivations and her priorities regarding the rescue. LMRR Operations While it was not difficult to recruit new volunteers, it was an impossible task to keep them. The difficulty largely stemmed from what many volunteers perceived as a disrespectful attitude from Christie. I frequently received complaints from volunteers that they felt like their contributions were marginalized and the concerns for any animal care issues were seen as confrontational. Christy has great difficulty in listening to any opinions that differ from hers and was also prone to taking credit for the work done by the volunteers. We had a core group of consistent volunteers who shouldered the overwhelming burden of caring for their large, and constantly growing numbers of animals at the rescue. They remained out of concern for what would happen to animals if they left. And after a while, they were driven away. As you can see, Chris's inability to listen and her defensiveness to constructive criticism matches up with the previous witness interview. And because of her not listening to the concerns of the volunteers, This led to the suffering of many animals and a high turnover rate of helpers. We would frequently come into the shelter to find an additional 10 to 15 bunnies and sometimes additional other small animals. Christy would bring them in despite having agreed to try to get the numbers down. Volunteers would have no training or information on how to care for some of the non-rabbit species. And as a result, we had some badly neglected animals, cages which had not been cleaned for over a week at a time, animals who weren't getting playtime for months on end, inconsistent feeding, watering, etc. So Chris was taking in too many bunnies and smaller species for what reason exactly? The volunteers and her didn't know how to properly take care of them. This further signaled a lack of genuine care on Chris's part. LMRR funding. If we had 501c3 status, I was told that we would be part of the PetSmart charities list and would receive a significant monthly income. I was also told that there was a specific large grant which we were guaranteed to get. I can't remember whether this was supposedly from the Oxbow company or some other such supplier, but we just needed to file the paperwork. I offered to help with the paperwork and consult friends of mine who had started other profits for advice. I cannot remember the exact date, but I submitted the paperwork sometime in late 2010 or early 2011. To note, it's not known if they ever actually became a 501c3. I've emailed New Jersey's IRS to see if they were at one point a 501c3, but there hasn't been a reply yet. While we were awaiting approval, 
There were numerous large expenses LMRR was to incur. I was told that the financial worries of LMRR were very temporary and would be sorted out once the 501c3 status was granted. During this time, there were three expenses for which I provided funding, aside from the donations I made to help cover spays and neuters. Christine needed to borrow $1,100 to purchase lumber for her condo construction. She started bringing bunnies up from Florida in van loads to an unfinished shelter where they had no housing and were forced to spend days on end in their little carriers. She said that in February or March, she was expecting a significant donation from a benefactor and would be able to pay the loan back then. I lent her the $1,100, mentioning that I would consider it a donation to the rescue if I found another job in the meantime. If I did not, I would need it to be returned to me in February or March. As of March, I had not found another job. The first time I mentioned the loan repayment, Christy said that we did not have the money yet because the large donor she anticipated had run into some legal troubles. She said that the donor was planning on giving us a significant gift from her mom's estate, but that there were some legal issues before the estate could be dissolved, and so that donation was held up. I brought up the loan repayment again in May. She said she'd start paying me back. When I brought it up again, she said something to the effect of, well, if you want me to pay you instead of feeding the animals, fine. I considered it written off and never asked about it again. Shortly after the lumber loan, Christy asked me to register for two pet expos. The registration fee for each expo was about $300 to $350. I told her that I didn't see why we would go to spend a significant amount of money while we were still spending so much on getting the rescue started. By this time, I was also scheduling volunteer shifts, and I knew we were having a very hard time getting coverage at the rescue. There were only a handful of core volunteers, and they did everything for all the animals every day of the week. We did not have an adequate volunteer force to attend to all activities in the rescue and mana booth at both of the expos. She was certain that the donations we received would vastly surpass the admission fee and the publicity we received would yield greater future donations and a significant upswing in donations and adoptions, which I believe it did. It registered us for both pet expos. We did not have the money to pay for our attendance by the stated deadline. Christy asked me to put the money out if I didn't mind waiting till after the expos to get repaid with the donations we received. I manned the booth at one of the pet expos. Christy told me to keep $250 of the donations. Alea received a check for another $100. I was never repaid the other $300. Christy had mentioned that paying me back was a priority a few times, but I didn't push the issue and the check never materialized. Christy was offering to name condos after the person or pet donating. My boyfriend and I each donated enough money to name two of the condos. These name tags never materialized and the money was never returned. Christy also solicited donations for bricks for a memorial garden. During my association at LMRR, this garden never materialized. To my knowledge, it still has not, but the donations have not been returned. While I did not handle any of the loans in a truly professional manner and do not have a problem with the idea of my loans becoming donations to help animals, 
The bothersome aspect of this is the lack of financial planning and oversight at LMRR. I have not seen Christy misappropriate funds, so I cannot comment on whether or not that happens at LMRR, but I can definitely say that she was constantly making plans, which involved money spending she said she was certain to get but never got. Then she'd scramble and plead with all to donate or loan money to cover projects which she either stated were essential for the animals or for the continued functioning of the rescue. In total, Chris took $4,000 from my witness. In addition, the source's family members and her friends gave Chris $3,000. In total, my witness and her familiars spent $7,000 on LMRR. Much of the money didn't seem to go to the buttons as evidence from what was said earlier. My witness stayed at Little Miracles for as long as she could. She did as much as she could to help Chris with Little Miracles by serving so many roles, as well as helping to keep the rescue stay afloat by lending Chris money, money that she never really got back. But despite my witness's efforts to keep Little Miracles running and helping the rabbits, she wasn't able to make much change because Chris didn't seem to want to make those changes. She refused to stop taking in rabbits, despite her volunteers telling her it was a bad idea. After all, they couldn't take care of the ones they already had and improving the living conditions of the rabbits, even when she was given the donations to do so. My witness sent her account to the New Jersey Attorney General, but unfortunately, the Attorney General never replied. Volunteers weren't the only ones who were deceived by Chris. Anonymous reports were made about bunnies that were adopted from Little Miracles, having ear mites, blood in their ear canals, lesions on their feet and noses, syphilis, etc. Obviously, it's one thing to adopt a bunny who has health issues when the adopter knows the full extent of the bunny's health, but Chris didn't reveal this to them. Chris falsely advertised the healthiness of the bunnies to trick their adopters into thinking that they were getting healthy, well-taken-care of bunnies when they were not, so that people would adopt them and, in return, pay her. These bunnies weren't healthy because Chris wasn't taking care of them well. Her volunteers were doing the best they could, but with the sheer volume of rabbits coming in, there was no way the rabbits were going to get the care they deserved. Another victim to Little Miracles was a person who donated to the rescue with the belief that it was going to be a one-time donation. Instead, this person had money taken out of their account every week despite not agreeing to any further donations. All of these actions indicated very shady business practices. In 2012, a consumer complaint was filed against her which forced the health department of Camden County to look into Little Miracles. Here's some of the broken regulations. She was told to reduce the number of bunnies to less than 100, but she did not. The rescue didn't have proper or enough provisions for the rabbits. There was no certificate of the local health inspections displayed. She was making renovations, but those renovations weren't submitted to the local health authority for approval. The layout of the cages prevented staff from immediate access to the rabbits. For example, cages were in the center of the room, which hindered staff movement when cleaning, and a bunny cage was inaccessible because of the cage layout 
and because boxes, carriers, etc. were being stacked six feet high on top of this rabbit's cage. Containers containing hay were uncovered, exposing it to contamination. Animal enclosures weren't in good condition, i.e. the wooden cages were soaked in urine, chewed up, and were so damaged that cleaning, disinfecting, and deodorizing would be impossible and obviously would make no difference to improving the conditions for the rabbits. And bunnies weren't able to stay clean and dry due to massive amounts of poo and pee on them. These are just some of the regulations she violated. There are honestly so many more regulations that were not met for little miracles to be a proper and ethical rescue. But despite having so much help from so many people, she turned her rescue into a living hell for the rabbits and for the volunteers. In August of 2012, Little Miracles was nearing its death, and Chris knew it. She needed Little Miracles to keep running, so she sent out an email telling people that her rescue was going to close down and begged for donations. She said having volunteers would really help, but what Little Miracles really needed were donations. Half of the message was about how people could donate. But the police couldn't save her and Little Miracles because in 2014, the rescue was forcibly shut down due to regulation violations. Of course, Chris denied the claim that her rescue had been shut down. She said that it was actually due to insufficient funds. Not only was she not raising enough money to keep it going, but she was the one being scammed out of funds with fake donations. But what supposedly happened next proved differently. Because in 2014, Chris was apparently fined $58,399 for fraud. I say supposedly because Chris's case didn't make news and I wasn't able to find her criminal record online because apparently criminal records in New Jersey are only accessible to government entities, someone who wants that person's services, an attorney, a private detective, or the person themselves who want their records. But seeing it or not, I wouldn't be surprised if the rumors of her being charged with fraud were true, given what we've heard about her. But whether she was convicted or not doesn't seem to matter, because she has seemingly continued on with her shady behavior. As of 2021, she is now running a Lego toy charity drive that she started in December of 2015, where you guessed it, she asks people to donate Legos and toys to her. If you scroll down her website, you'll see a list of ways you can donate to them that's not Lego related. You can help by buying toys for recipients on the Amazon gift registry or donate directly to Chris through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo. As to whether any of these gifts and donations actually go to the families that have applied is unknown. There are photos up, but they're not of the families she supposedly helped. Instead, The photos up are of the many toys donated to her, as well as photos of her mom and son organizing the toys. Of course, it might be due to privacy reasons that there aren't any photos of the families she supposedly helped. And for the sake of the families and those who donated to her, let's hope that that is the case. And that those families that Chris is supposedly helping are receiving toys and experiencing great joy. A joy the bunnies under her care 
never felt. So that was the case of Christine Corson and Little Miracles Rabbit Rescue. I want to thank again the person who recommended the case to me and my interviewees. It's never easy to relive traumatic experiences, so I truly want to thank you guys for your contribution. Also, remember to check out Strictly Stalking. It's not only an interesting podcast to listen to, but it's definitely an eye-opener about the experiences of stalking victims. And if you want to support VSF, please tell anyone about this podcast. Subscribe, and if you are listening on Apple, please review it. It helps with visibility and just letting people know you like the podcast. Also, if you have any stories you want me to share or you just have a story you want to share, please email me at vsf.officialpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, come visit VSF on its Instagram page, the period VSF period official. Until next Wednesday, toodles!